0: Welcome to a Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on a Transforming Word.
1: How uncomfortable would you be made in order to be more effective at sharing the gospel with other people? You know, if this would if if this attitude, if this behavior is going to hinder. I believe that's how we're supposed to think as believers. I'm a I'm a messenger of the gospel. That's what not just me as a minister, pastor, all of you guys, everyone that's received the gospel. We are. We are, Bible says we're ambassadors for Christ, we're those that God wants to pour the message out through. And so I got to be thinking that way as I'm interacting with people, as I'm dealing with people in the world, would my behavior here hinder them from hearing the gospel from me?
0: The Apostle Paul was always careful that his behavior would not negatively affect those in his ministry. If he thought his behavior could be a stumbling block for others, then he would act differently even when you understand that you're free to do certain things because Christ isn't legalistic and there's no guilt under grace. Some people are new to the faith or don't fully understand God's character. Today, Pastor Bill asks, would your behavior hinder others from hearing the gospel from you? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: In some places, Paul would receive... But we see that the Corinthians were in such a place that Paul said, man, y'all are, I'm not even going to take nothing from you guys. So verse seven, he says, whoever goes to, he gives three examples, three analogies. Whoever goes to war at his own expense, nobody. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, nobody. Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock. So he gives three examples, all things that an apostle or pastor would do. First, he says, who goes to war? And Anybody here that's doing ministry, you know that you've engaged in a spiritual war. This is not even, this is worse than a physical war. In a physical war, you know, you, you, you got to go, you can see the enemy, you know, you got to get busy and, and watch yourself. In a spiritual battle, you got enemies that you can't see. You know, you have to be praying, you have to be watching. Paul said nobody goes to war at their own expense. If you go to war for the United States of America, they buy your weapons, they provide your training, uh, they provide your clothing, they provide for your housing and everything else while you're going to war for them. Paul says nobody goes to war at their own expense. Um, They're taken care of by those that sent them to war. Um, The analogy he's making is that as a minister, I'm I'm going to war for you guys. You guys are supposed to be taking care of me. Then he says, who plants a vineyard and doesn't eat of the fruit of it? Nobody. You plant a vineyard, you go out there and grab you a handful of cluster and, you know, you pop you some grapes, make sure it's legit. You know, Paul's I have a right to it. I planted it. I tended it. I kept it. I I pruned it. I go out there and, and receive of the fruit of it. Um, In the same way, an an apostle or a pastor or a minister, they're planting, they're sowing, they're watering. Paul spoke about that earlier, that one sows, one waters, but God gives the increase. He says, you know, we should we should receive from here as well. The last one is tending a flock. Who tends a flock and then doesn't drink of the milk that comes from the flock that he's tending? Nobody. Um, You have a right to that. You tend it. You take care of them. You feed them, you clean them up and, and you can enjoy some of the fruit of it, some of the milk that would come from it. Then verse eight, Paul says, do I say these things as a mere man or does not the law also say the same for it is written? And this is a quotation of Deuteronomy 25, verse four, for it is written in the law of Moses. You shall not muzzle the ox while it treads the grain. Then he asked question: Is it the ox? I'm I'm sorry. Is it the oxen God is concerned about? One of the books I read on this said it couldn't be the oxen that God was concerned of because oxen can't read um, so Paul says in the law, it even says when you got a, a ox and he's treading for you, you can't muzzle him because if he gets hungry while he's treading, he needs to be able to eat. You can't be starving him. You know, while he's just working and working and working. If he needs to bow down and chew up some of what he's doing. He's supposed to be able to eat as well. Now, here goes the challenge with this type of stuff. From my own personal vantage point, uh, we live in a culture where this is abused. It could be abused on two sides of, of the equation. The Corinthians were abusive on the side of it in that they weren't um, they weren't freely giving and ministering to Paul's needs. They were questioning him and all these things. And a lot of that had to do with their spiritual condition. We already see this as a carnal church. They got sexual sin rampant. They're getting drunk at communion. Um, They're taking one another to court back and forth. They got a lot of issues. And so it's their immaturity that has them in this condition. But we also know that in Paul's day, as in ours, there were men that their whole motivation for ministry involvement was to gain, uh, was to was to receive and to take and to get. And so Paul would warn in other places that he talked to the Ephesians when he left in Acts 20. He says, when I leave, you got as soon as I leave from among us, says people are going to rise up like ravenous wolves seeking to just devour the flock. You know, um, when he was speaking to Peter, he says, one of the one, one of the ways you mark the false teachers that they make merchandise of the people of God that you just become merchandise and they're, they're looking only at they're not giving they're not ministering they're looking at people as merchandise and so we want to be mindful of that we live in that day um we live in a time where on the tv shows now you'll see ministers who they're not having their needs met by the church they're living well beyond they're living like superstars off of the ministry that's wrong too everything i'm reading as as the ministers are to be taken care of their needs are to be met. They're supposed to be able to raise a family and live and be free of the concern of day-to-day finances. That they might be free to serve God. It isn't that they might be living like celebrities. And um, there's a there's a thing right now, and it's all over social media. It's all over the internet. But there's a pastor that he got caught doing you know things he should not with God's money, and they 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 videoed they videoed. And they're asking him like, why do you need? such extravagant things why do you need a Bentley why do you need you know you know why did you spend five thousand dollars at the Gucci store and you're listening at this man not skip a beat on the camera say well you know when I go on my engagements I have to present myself a certain way and I have to have you know these bags and these suits and these coats and whatever and I'm looking at this just thinking is a non-believing woman questioning him the world is watching it now because the video has been plastered everywhere and this man is sitting there defending every point I need that sort of car I can't just show up in anything. Um, I, I I can't fly regular airlines. I'm too big of a deal, you know. I got to have my own personal. Th- seriously, this is a, a supposed man of God, and I believe that people will see stuff like that and say, you know, non-believers will see something like that and be like, "See that church? That's all it's about." And and it and they get stumbled by it. And so, um, what happens? This is the flip side. This is where I stumble as a pastor. I've seen so much of that, and. Would want so bad to not be seen as that, that I would say the first three years that we planned the church, I would avoid these teachings. I would avoid teaching it the right way. Cause I'm like, man, that's, yeah. I would just glaze over it. And I remember at one point, you know, speaking to some of the guys that I'm accountable to, they're like, man, that's you being unfaithful with the word. You know, um, you have to teach it correctly so people know. Um, and so this, they're, these are uncomfortable things, you know, where because of, of, of the abuse. But what I want to do for us is make sure that we have a right understanding. Um, it is the church's responsibility to care for the pastors as the church grows. Um, yeah, I came from a, what would be considered a megachurch. And I see the benefit as the church is faithful to give and everything else. Well, there were pastors that were able to be brought on staff full time to care for other parts of the body. And what it did was instead of having a staff of pastors that work full time in the world, and they do the best they can between family and work to give what they can for the church. You know that's the best that they can do. Um, you had a guy that his full time job is minister to the youth. That was my job. So those youth had activities and they had things planned. That was my job. I got paid full time. My family was taken care of. I was there every day, coming up with activities, working on Bible studies, planning outings. You know, getting venues secured, planning things to do with them, so that those kids, you know, the kids at that church, there, those youth had more available. Uh, that would be available if that were not the case. There was a children's ministry pastor. That was his full-time job to be there, making sure there were teachers and materials and curriculum and everything else so that the children's ministry was bang. There's a benefit to that, but that's provided by that body as, as they give. And we're a smaller church. As we grow, understand that that's the heart, that as you guys are faithful to give to the work, it enables us to do all the things that we believe God's called us to do. In the Old Testament, as God set up the priesthood, God told the priest, your job, You you don't get an inheritance in the land. I am your inheritance. Everybody else gets lands. All the children of Israel, every tribe got their lands and portions. You guys, Levites, priests, I'm your inheritance. You get me. And so how are we going to live? How are we going to eat, Lord? They're going to give to me. You guys are going to receive it. There are going to be things that are offered up to me. And there's a portion of what they offer to me that I'm going to give to you, that you and your families will be taken care of. So now the priests and Levites were enabled to do their function as the people were faithful to give. And there were periods of time where the people stopped giving um, the Levites They were out there farming because they, they didn't have the people weren't giving, And so Nehemiah had to come in and get it squared away. And he came and, you know, he, he whooped the people in the shape. Nehemiah was a gangster leader. You got read Nehemiah 13. He put hands on folks. You know, uh, I can't lead like that today. But uh, but it was very effective. You know what I'm saying? He got it back in order and got them priests back doing what they were supposed to be doing. So back here, verse um, verse 10, I'm sorry. Paul says, or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes should hope. Uh, he who threshes um, in hope should be partaker. And so the one that plows would you know, have hope that he's going to receive from the work that he's doing. The one that threshes the threshing floor for the wheat, he's going to be able to receive from that. He's going to thresh in hope. Verse 11, he says, if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? Paul says, If I'm pouring into you guys spiritual things, is it a big deal? Is it a great thing that I would receive from you guys uh, material things? And like I told you, guys, if you're writing notes, write down Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 19. I'm going to read it to you. Um, as Paul is challenging the Corinthians and not receiving, I want you to listen to what he wrote to the Philippians who were giving to him. In Philippians 4, 15 through 19, Paul said this. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So Paul says, when I first got going, you guys were the only ones that were looking out for me in that way, in a giving and receiving sort of way. Verse 16, he says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent and once again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, Paul says to them, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. See, as they supplied for Paul to go out and be available to minister, the fruit of that ministry, they would they would also be recipients. as, as we send out missionaries. Maybe I can't go to Zimbabwe, but somebody else is going with the gospel. And I'm saying, I'll, I'll give some money to help you go. Well, those that support them financially, you're, you're partaker now with them. You partaking of, of the fruit that comes from their mission, they're serving in that way. And so Paul said, I don't seek the gift, but the fruit that abounds to your account indeed I have all and abound, I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well pleasing to God. And notice that verse is the context of when Paul says, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory, which are in Christ Jesus. A lot of people like to quote that verse that don't give, that aren't faithful with the resources God has given them. I just think context is so important, Paul says to a group that was caring for him that he might go forth with the gospel. He says that you guys are faithfully given to me. He says, I'm I'm confident my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, which are in Christ Jesus. And it is true that as we make God a priority and we make the things that matter to him a priority, we can trust the guy. We've been a good steward. We haven't squandered what you've given us. We've we've made sure to give back to your work. Then now I look for you to take care of whatever lack I have. Whatever, wherever it, the things don't measure up, whatever it don't lie, we look to you from that point. Um, but when you haven't participated in that process, I don't know that we can apply that. I can't apply that verse to someone who's not a part of. They don't give. They don't participate in the process of God in that way. So so back to back to first Corinthians nine. Now he says in verse 12, if others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right. But endure all things, least we hinder the gospel of Christ. So Paul says, man, other people are receiving from you guys. We should be even more. Right. But he says, but nevertheless, we have not used this right. Uh, we haven't used it. We endure difficult. We endure all things. Notice he says why. Least we hinder the gospel of Christ It's because of their immaturity. And so this is a direct tie in to what Paul said last week. Last week, Paul said, if eating meat would stumble you, I won't eat meat. This week, Paul is saying if taking your money is going to hinder you from receiving my, the gospel I'm preaching, I won't take your money. I'll work. I'll go ahead and work. I, I, I'm not willing. I'm willing to be made uncomfortable to make sure that you guys get the message of the gospel. How many ministers today do we hear speak like that with that heart? Right. If, if receiving, if taking something from this group would hinder the message of the gospel, I won't take something from this group. Because it's such a big, it's, the bigger deal to me is that they receive this message, this life changing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I would challenge us to consider in our lives, right, what would we, how uncomfortable would you be made in order to be more effective at sharing the gospel with other people? You know, if this would, if, if this attitude if this behavior is going to hinder, I believe that's how we're supposed to think as believers. I'm a, I'm a messenger of the gospel. That's what, not just me as a minister, a pastor, all of you guys. Everyone that's received the gospel, we are, we are Bibles says we're ambassadors for Christ. We're those that God wants to pour the message out through. And so I got to be thinking that way as I'm interacting with people as I'm dealing with people in the world. Would my behavior here hinder them from hearing the gospel from me? I mean, I shared with you guys before I used to have, I, now I've moved now, but where I used to live, I, my neighbors used to turn up on Saturday night. And I hated it because I'm trying to go to sleep good on Saturday night because I got Sunday morning I'm thinking about. And I would be in there and there were so many nights where I'm like, man, that's too much. One night they were throwing up. They were partying. They were they were on the side of the house where my window is, my bedroom, my wife. And I'm hearing somebody throw up at my wife. I'm like, that's, enough. that's it. I'm up and I'm on my way out the door. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Don't go. Don't go. I mean, God just like don't do it. You know, my my goal is they don't they obviously need me. This ain't going to be the time to go over there. You know, you beat them fought somebody drunk. And ruin your witness. He's like, you're here to be a witness. That's it. And and I will say that, you know, we made it, you know, we made it all the way on out. And now we moved and the neighbors are quiet, quiet, peaceable. You know, I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. for Thank you for neighbors that go to bed on Saturday night early. You know, thank you for the senior citizens in my right that they don't make no noise. You know, they sweet as pie. You know, Um, I do believe we're supposed to think that way. Would this hinder the gospel? Right. Well, this hindered him from receiving the message that I'm really this is my real responsibility is to convey this message. And so Paul is putting his you know, he put, he's he's practicing what he preaches. He's telling us, but he's doing it also. He's doing what he's teaching. He said, you know what? If I will go ahead and work rather than receive from you guys and have you guys, you know, discount my message. You already discount me and I haven't done anything. So I'm just going to pass on any gift from you guys um, so that the message isn't hindered by by you giving to me and and, and looking at me funny. So now now look at verse uh, 13. Paul says, do you not know that those who minister the holy things? This is a beginning of the priest and the Levites eat of the things of the temple and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar. And the Levites were to receive and they were to live off of the gifts of the people that were being brought in. And that was God's method way back then for them. And as you come to the church, God said the same thing. Um, As I raise up ministers and I raise up pastors and I want them to serve full time in this way, um, they're to be cared for by the church that they care for and that they minister to. Um, That's how it's supposed to go. So um, we do all have a part to play as Christians. We all have an obligation. This is our house. This is our our church. And we're to give here that we can reach out. There's a there's a there's a responsibility that we have. Um, you know, I look at what God does. I do take steps of faith. If God said, go do that, then I wouldn't look at a single number. I wouldn't crunch a number. I would just go do that. Um, but in the meanwhile, the way things go is we look at what we have and that, that determines what we can do. So I do encourage everybody here that we would all be faithful in our giving um, as an act of worship to the Lord, um, that that would be something we, that we look at. You know, are, are we being faithful to the Lord in that part of our worship and our walk with Christ? So um, so moving on now, Paul. And now, he's, you know, Paul's going to switch gears. Um, the whole goal, he gave all this argument about giving, about what they should do, only to say. But I'm, even though I have I want to make it clear that I have a right to it, but I'm laying down my right in order that the gospel would go forth to more power. That's the bigger picture. in what we're learning today, that we'll lay down our rights. Uh, We'll lay down certain things that I I should be able to have this, but I'll lay that down for the cost of being a witness for the Lord. And Paul is, is showing us that verse verse 14. He says, even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. If you're writing notes, write down Luke 10 verses two through eight. I won't read it, but that's when Jesus sent the disciples out and he says, you know, when you go into a house, um, you know, don't take when you guys go out. Don't take bags of food. Don't take anything when you enter into a house receive from them Let them feed you. That's the way it's supposed to go Let the house that you're ministering in let them take care of you and you receive them If they won't take care of you then you shake the dust from your feet and you kick on you kick on off to the next to the next town um, But they're supposed to be taking care of God has established that in the Gospels in the Old Testament and in the new verse 15 Paul says, but I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things, that it should be done so to me. For it would be better for me to die than that anyone should take my make my boasting void. Paul says, don't mistake me. I'm not writing these things so y'all finally kick in and take care of me. He says, I'm not writing these things that you guys would give. Paul said, I'd rather die than that what you guys give to me causes my my boasting to be in vain. You know, my sharing to be in vain. And so I look at some of the things that Paul says. They're just such strong statements. Paul says, "I would rather die than to let something to let y'all mess up my testimony, my witness. I'd rather die. I'm not taking nothing." And um, I do believe that that's that's the Paul has the heart of Christ in what he's doing. Verse 16: For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Paul says, when I preach the gospel, it's not. This is this is what I've been called to do. What was me if I don't? I can't I can't do anything but preach the gospel. And I wonder if any of us have a calling on our life that that's that strong. I can't help but do this thing right here. That's the difference between that's a calling. When there's something you would say, I'm just I know I'm called to do this no matter what it costs, no matter what difficulties come. I know I'm called to do this thing right here. Paul says, it's of necessity. It's laid upon me. This is something I picked or chose or, you know, had a wild thought one night, and went out and did. This is something that God has called me to do. And he does it with that kind of conviction. I do believe that every believer should have some aspects of your walk and service to God that you do with that kind of conviction. I must do this. Um, uh, too many Christians have not sought God for clarity about a calling or what they're supposed to do. And so they just lightly do things when they when it's convenient for them. But there's no sense of real conviction of, of a call. It's like, yeah, I just, you know, I think I'm gonna do this now. Man, I'm not gonna do it next time. And there are lots of Christians that are just like, you know, they just, you couldn't, you couldn't hang a coat on them and say, I know I know that person's gonna be here doing that. Um, but everybody here has got some gift and some area where you're called and it should be that clear. I know I'm called to do that at church. I know that God's given me this to do in the body. And so however it may, it may, it may flesh out in different ways over time, but I want you to hear his conviction. Paul says, I, I have no, It's a necessity. I, there, there's no way I could not do this. It's what I'm called to do. You write that down in your notes. What am I called to do? And let the Lord answer that for you. And then you do it with that kind of conviction. I must do it. I must do it. Whatever it is. It could be praying. It could be interceding. It could be evangelizing. It could be teaching. It could be a number of different things, but everybody's called to do something. And we want to we want to know what that is, that we might do it with that sort of conviction. Moving on. Verse uh, 17 now. Paul says, for if I do it willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. He speaks now of the way in which we serve. Right. Paul says, if I do it because I'm called to do it, and I do it willingly. I have a reward from the Lord. But God's not really into any of us serving him uh, against our will. Um, anybody here that's married. If your spouse does something for you out of love, it feels good. You know, it's like, you, you, you thought about me? You did that because you love me? You know, BJ be always trying to steal my shine. Yesterday we went out and we stopped at this candy store and my wife likes caramel apples. So I was like, get my wife a caramel apple, you know, and I, I got it and I get home and I, I hand it to her. And she opens the bag and BJ jumps in. Mama, was at the candy store and I saw that and I thought of you. So I told dad to get it. <laughs> i was like, little buster man get out of here man he's trying to steal my shine you know there are things that someone does for you and because it's just done out of love it's received as it's a blessing you know that someone thought of you it was a, it could be a small thing but it was very considerate and it ministers to you in that way we also know what it feels like when someone is doing something from you kicking cans the whole way um you know you might ask your spouse to do something right now You got got to hear them breathe all hard all the way over and breathe. sit down all hard after they get done. You know, and it's like it's not a blessing. Right. So so we've been made in the image of God. God ain't blessed by that kind of service either. You could save it. Um, So Paul says, I do this of a necessity. Uh, I do this willingly because there's a stewardship that's been laid upon me. So you also want to be careful, not just that we that we serve the Lord. But be careful how we serve the Lord. If you're complaining, stop. Just don't do it. It'd be better to not do it. It'd be, if you can't serve God and be like, man, I'm, I am, I'm excited for the opportunity then you should stop serving God until you get your heart together so you can do it right.
0: You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 1 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on media. Or you can download our mobile app to listen to more teachings. You'll find a link on our website. You can also search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest times and location information. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is CalvaryInglewood.org. As we've looked into the book of 1 Corinthians, accountability and helping other believers strive for purity and commitment to God are topics that come to the surface. Although these things aren't always fun or easy, they're an incredible blessing to have in your life and in your church. So look to be involved and accountable wherever you're plugged in with other believers. If you notice that this ministry has been a blessing, even when it's convicted your heart in certain ways, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the messages go out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. We ask that you pray for ears to be opened, hearts to be softened, and for lives to be changed. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Bill again for another edition of A Transforming Word.